if if you're going to retool from from our perspective, it adds value because you're getting a bump in in the revenue. Generally speaking, we've seen that we estimate on our projections that it can grow the income 10 to 15%. And then you're also getting a reduction in the utilities, reduction potentially in the maintenance and repairs, depending on how much you've had to service your equipment. So that all flows to the bottom line, which in turn adds value to the, to the location. Welcome to the Planet Laundry Podcast. In this edition of the podcast, we chat with Jennifer Whitney, Vice President of Business Development for Eastern Funding, a top laundry industry lender headquartered in New York City. In this episode, Jennifer discusses some of the trends she's noticed in the financing segment of the industry, how to go about valuing a laundromat, the ins and outs of the SBA's 504 loan program, mistakes to avoid when seeking financing, and much more. The Planet Laundry Podcast is brought to you by Planet Laundry, the magazine of the Coin Laundry Association. This is the Planet Laundry Podcast. I'm your host and the editor of Planet Laundry Magazine, Bob Neiman. Uh, Today, I'm with Jennifer Whitney, the Vice President of Business Development for Eastern Funding, one of the leading lenders in the industry. Jennifer's been involved in the laundry business for uh, 25 years, and during that time, she's worked those who have been involved in practically every type of uh, laundromat project imaginable. During her years in the business, uh, Jennifer's been a speaker at industry events, an author in Planet Laundry Magazine, and a Laundry Cares volunteer. In addition, she's currently on the task force for CLA's Women's Laundry Network, and she sits on a committee to develop a mentorship program for women in the industry. And if that's not enough, she was recently appointed to the CLA's Board of Directors. Uh, Hey, Jennifer, thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You are a busy person. (laughs) Well, always have time for the CLA. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations on on being appointed to, uh, to the Board of Directors. What got you interested in, in, in serving on the board for the CLA? I think my interest started um, when Laundry Cares became more popular and more of a talking point uh, amongst store owners and industry leaders, really. I volunteered at a few events and um, and really liked that it was becoming more community-focused, the laundry industry, um, versus just about laundry equipment, which is where I started. So um, that's where it started. And then it kind of evolved because um, the the excellence events were a really great supplement to what the Coin Laundry Association was doing with the Clean Show. And I liked that it was more personal. um, It was smaller scale. And, And then the women in women in laundry portion of it was added last year, which is kind of important to me as a woman in the industry to make sure that we're growing and developing the younger women and and the existing store owners that are women that may not have the resources that they need. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, what are what are some of your goals for your tenure on the board? What uh, What specifically would you like to help the association, I guess, accomplish going forward? I think to start, I'm really in the learning mode right now, learning about all of the different committees that 
that the CLA has and, and what the value add is so we can take that and grow the membership, take it to people that may not be aware of everything that the Coin Laundry Association offers. I think that that's really important right now with uh, with so much access now for store owners on social media platforms. Sometimes there, there, there's a lot of information out there, but it may not be the best information as far as getting into the laundry as an investment. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Great, great points. Interestingly, I mean, your career has not always been uh, in the laundry business. You started out, it's always been in financing and banking, but not always in laundry. Uh, how did laundry uh, eventually find its way into the picture? And when did that happen? Yeah, I when I moved to, to Wisconsin, actually, I, I was working at Bank One when it was Bank One prior to it being bought out by Chase. I, I always say that laundry kind of found me um, because I I was I was a credit analyst. I was really the grunt person at Bank One and working 12-hour days. And I really wanted to be in front of customers versus behind the scenes. So I, I worked with a recruiter and just happened that one of the equipment manufacturers was looking for somebody to join their finance team. And um, I joined in 1998 with the manufacturer and kind of worked on the collection side of things. So I learned all of the the ways that people try to avoid paying their bills and what to look for to show that a location may not be a good investment or investor may not be a good fit for the industry. So mm -hmm. I think it was a good start for me in this industry to learn specifics that mm -hmm. I may not have learned just through a bank. Right, right. Well, beyond that, what, what other things maybe attracted you to the laundromat business or the laundry, the laundry industry? I think it's, you know, laundry back then in the late 90s, you know, I, I think, you know, coming out of college, it kind of got a bad rap. You know, you you look at stores and they may not be in the best condition, um, but it's a, it's a necessity. You have to go and do your laundry. So I liked the idea of it being a niche and, and learning very specifically about how we can help customers get into business for themselves. And that was really important to me. I, I really love the small business owner. And it was rewarding to when I first started to help people that were struggling, work their way out of it and and maybe add their second or their third store. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, you, you, you bring up a great point. It's uh, back in the 90s, it was very much a different type of business, wasn't mm -hmm. it? I guess maybe from your unique perspective as uh, from the financing segment, how has the industry changed? How has it evolved since the time when you, you first got into it and since you've been in it through the years? Right. I think technology plays a big part in it, um, especially with the equipment. I think from a manufacturer's point of view, because I started there, I learned more about how, you know, research and development and changes in the, the machines was such an important aspect of the industry. So, you know, behind the scenes, everybody was working to find new ways to make the equipment more efficient more technological advances and how do you help people become multi-store owners versus single store operators which was really more popular in the late 90s just one store owners now as the industry has evolved and people have learned more about how to scale the business they're adding 
locations and becoming more remote operators because of the technology available to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. No, I, I think that's that, that's absolutely correct. What about trends? What, what trends are you noticing, uh, especially recently in, in your in your segment of the industry? Are there, is there anything that's that's kind of taking hold? I think that since COVID, we've seen an influx of people who are interested in mm -hmm. the laundry industry mm -hmm. and a lot more research. Um, so a lot of people are out there looking for ways to own their own business, be self-employed. So the trend has been more towards acquisitions of existing stores versus building and financing a new project because all, all segments of the project costs have increased over the mm -hmm. last few years, construction, equipment, financing, pricing has all increased. So people are looking for a way to get into the business without spending a significant amount of money. Mm -hmm. No, I, absolutely. And I, I, certainly speaking to that, that, that trend, for someone who's looking to acquire a, 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 an existing store, what does that due diligence process look like? What kind of questions should potential buyers be asking? What type of information should they be gathering to help themselves out? Sure. I think I think the most important, there are a few pieces that we, from a lender's perspective, look at. Obviously, the financials on the store, you want the seller to have really good records. So as you're doing your research, make sure that you're talking to sellers about their, their financial records do they have system reports? Because with the card systems that are in the market now, that's allowing a lot of sellers to maintain better records than you know 10 or 20 years ago. So financial records for sure. Um, lease, a, a strong lease is very important. Do they have to negotiate a new lease? Do they need to um, get extensions on the existing lease? And the equipment, you know, what what condition is the equipment in? How how much has it been repaired? How old is it? Can you get an equipment condition report on it? Because those those three pieces alone will help guide us in determining how much financing we can provide for the location. And that in turn tells the investor how much cash they need to bring to the table. So if they don't have a location in mind right now while they're doing the research, Make sure that they're saving money, building up their cash reserves, and doing as much due diligence on the location as possible. Well, when you when you talk about the lease, how much length of a lease are you, would would be preferable? What what are you looking for as far as length? Well, if, if it's a new store project, we we really tell investors to get an initial base term of ten years with additional options. Typically, what we've seen is. Investors can get a 10-year base term, then get additional five-year renewal options. Sometimes we'll see a five-year base with multiple five-year options. So that's really important from a new, new store perspective. From an acquisition of an existing store, we need to have a lease term that is at least one year longer than the loan term that we're providing. With that said, if they they know that they're going to have to replace equipment, it's better to negotiate the renewal options up front, knowing that they're going to need to replace equipment and are going to need to have a longer loan term in order to do so. So as much as you can negotiate on the front end before you sign that lease initially, uh, the mm -hmm. better. Okay. 
Very good. Well, and again, with, with equipment, what specifically are they looking for? Uh, age of the machine, models? What what type of, uh, what tips can you you give a buyer on, on that as far as how should they be looking at the machines to pass that along to you? As far as from an acquisition of an existing? From a, yes, from a, an acquisition, correct. I think that we want to see, know the size, the size of the machines, the age of the equipment. If you can get serial numbers, that's great. And like I said, it's, it's important to try to ask for service reports. You know, how often has the equipment been ma- been maintained? What has been done to the equipment? I mean, bearings, um, just replacing a few miscellaneous parts here and there to determine whether or not it's had significant repairs needed. And has that been consistent over the life of the ownership? Because that may determine how much you want to offer for for that business, knowing that you might have to replace it in three years versus in seven years. How would you suggest a potential buyer go about valuing a laundry business that's for sale? And and maybe that's just a different way of asking what I just asked, but uh, how do you go about that valuation process of a business for sale? The the valuation from a lender's perspective is really based on the, is based on the financials, Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. the, the lease and the age of the equipment, those three pieces help okay. us determine what multiple of annual cash flow from operations will use to value a store. So, you know, depending on who you talk to, some, some finance companies will value a store based on just the value of the equipment, where we value the stores based on the value of the cash flow because we, Eastern Fund, Eastern Funding is more of a, a niche lender. So that's where we come from, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You had mentioned uh, the trend in, in, in retooling. I mean, it, it's certainly the last several years, certainly through COVID, it's gotten big. What are some advantages of a store retool? Uh, you know, I guess both from, from the valuation standpoint, uh, as well as the, the financing standpoint. From a valuation perspective, as well as from a lender's perspective, really, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if I'm looking at a store that has ten year old or older equipment, I may value that that location at a three or a four multiple of EBITDA, or even a two multiple of EBITDA, depending on how old the equipment is. If if you're going to retool. From, from our perspective, it adds value because you're getting a bump in, in the revenue. Generally speaking, we've seen that we estimate on our projections that it can grow the income 10 to 15%. And then you're also getting a reduction in the utilities, reduction potentially in the maintenance and repairs, depending on how much you've had to service your equipment. So that all flows to the bottom line which in turn adds value to the to the location. So a store that maybe we would have valued at a two multiple with 10-year-old equipment, that may go to a four multiple with brand new equipment. So there right. is there's a significant significant value to adding adding new equipment. And typically the the bump up in revenue and the decrease in expenses will pay for the monthly payment on the equipment if you need financing. So it's it's all it all comes down to running the numbers. Right. And it all kind of works hand in hand, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, I know a few years ago you wrote a great article for Planet Laundry on uh, kind of explaining the the 504 loan program, which is a program by the uh, the SBA. Can we talk a little bit about that and what exactly that 504 program is? Sure. Mm-hmm. The SBA 504 program is is for a a store owner who is looking to buy a piece of land or buy an existing property and develop it into a laundromat. And it is a great way for a third-party lender to partner with a local SBA office in the market where the store is being developed, where they share the financing duties. So, so we can finance more of the project and spread it out for a longer period of time which is great for the cash flow of a laundromat. And it allows the, the the investor to own the real estate, which is a big plus versus having to deal with a landlord and negotiating a lease and renewal options. So it's, it's a more paperwork intensive process. And it takes about, I would say on average, about three months to go through the approval process. But again, the benefit is a lower cash investment Typically, it's 10 to 15% if you're an existing laundry owner versus a new laundry owner, and you can spread out the the financing over a longer period of time. So for, for some lenders, the maximum term is usually 10 years, fully amortizing. With the SBA 504 program, you can get a 15-year amortization or 20 or 25-year. It just depends on the project and the local office that we're working with. Okay. So certainly it could be a good fit for a lot of a lot of laundry owners in certain certain cases. Some eligibility uh requirements there, but uh, a lot of advantages. It sounds like definitely, definitely a lot of advantages. Um mm-hmm. to, and it gets gets people owning the real estate, which I think is really important right now to investors, new investors coming into the industry, as well as existing store owners. It gives them another option versus going to a local bank who may not be able to finance the entire project. They would only look at the mortgage. This program allows it to be a one-stop shop. You can work with a third-party lender and the SBA, but it's Mm -hmm. all wrapped up into one project. Right, right. Very interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, overall, Jennifer, how many laundromat loans do you do annually? As far as originations, we're in the the hundreds. I would say probably, I would say about three to 400 that we fund. But on on a daily basis, the number of calls that we get for leads and reviewing financials, uh, multiple leads in the week. So there's a, there's a lot of interest in in the industry right now. Um, a significant demand, but maybe not a lot of supply of existing stores or existing real estate to buy to develop a, a new laundromat. Do you do a lot of five hundred fours that we had just spoke, spoken of? Have you done a lot of those loans? The the interest increased uh, significantly after COVID with the extension of the CARES Act. That kind of brought the SBA 504 program to light. So I would say that we do probably about 5% of our loans are, are looking at 504s now. They're, they're bigger projects. They take a lot more time. So people have to be really committed and dedicated to it. 
to to move forward with the, with the program, but it, it it is a great opportunity for right. laundry investors. Mm-hmm. Right, very good. Well, what are what are some best practices for laundry owners or, or potential investors who are looking at uh, acquiring funding? I mean, how should they prepare uh, before they come to you? What are some tips and uh, strategies for them? I I think like like I mentioned with the 504 program, paperwork is key. It's a necessary evil, unfortunately. And you know when you're when you're looking for funding for a large new store project or even an acquisition of a store, you know we need to see your your paperwork. Proof of cash investment is really important. Your credit application, your personal financial statement. So making sure that you have statements to validate the information that you're providing in the paperwork and and doing your research, because I think that what's sometimes lost is, is a business plan. The laundromat doesn't necessarily run itself. And and with the evolution of the laundromat into wash, dry, fold, pickup and delivery, you have to have a business plan. Um, How are you going to market? Who are you going to hire? How are you going to handle pickup and delivery? Just the logistics of everything. So knowing what your business plan is and, and putting together each of those segments, because those are the questions we're going to ask especially of a new investor coming into the industry. We want to know that you've done your research on the competition, on on what the competition is offering and how you're going to stack up against the competition with your business plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent points. I guess by contrast, what are, what are some common mistakes that you see? What are some pitfalls that uh, potential borrowers need to avoid things that you come across regularly? That could really kill their their deal. Yeah, I, from a from a financing perspective, I think mm-hmm. that the cash the cash reserves and the cash investment, knowing how much cash is needed to get started, even if you're about just buying an existing store, so you have to have reserves in the event that the water heater goes down or that. You know, there are parts that are needed for equipment that goes down or there's ancillary equipment that needs to be purchased. So cash reserves right now in this climate is really important. And I think that sometimes people go into this industry thinking that it isn't it it's it is just going to run itself. So it's cash reserves and time. You know, your time is important to invest in the business to make sure you're getting the return on your investment. So that's that's a really important aspect to remember. Yes. No, those are those are two great, great points. Hey, at the outset here, we talked about how you're uh, involved with the the Women's Laundry Network and the uh, the mentorship program that you're developing for women professionals. What just what advice uh, would you give other women who are looking to uh, get into this business or this industry, either as a store owner or with a manufacturer or with a distributor? Um, just what what advice do you have for women out there who uh, are looking to do this? Yeah, I think my first piece of advice would be do your research. Educate yourself on every aspect of it. Don't be afraid to learn about service on the equipment, how the equipment works. I think that that was one thing that maybe I didn't spend enough time on early on in my career is understanding the equipment side of things and being able to talk 
in in those conversations with with people who were industry experts. That's that's my first advice is do your research and educate yourself. And then secondly, it's it's really to be a leader and don't and don't be afraid to voice your opinion and voice your thoughts because as we as we've already discussed this is an evolving industry. It's it, does, it hasn't stayed the same since I started, and it's not going to stay the same in the next twenty years. So there's a lot that new new minds and fresh minds can bring to the table. So don't be afraid to stand up and, and voice your opinion opinion and your thoughts. Mm-hmm. 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 No, that's great. Last question for you, and I, I really appreciate your time, Jennifer. What what was the financial picture? for the laundromat business look like down the road in the coming months and maybe the next few years? I think that's the, that's the million dollar question, right? right? Right now, I think, I think everybody is wondering what's going to happen with interest rates and and everything, Mm -hmm. but generally speaking in the industry, I think that, that we're seeing more of a trend toward towards acquiring existing stores and retooling them, remodeling um, locations versus, building building new until we see some of the costs going down in certain areas i think new stores might be a little bit more on the back burner for the time being mm-hmm. so and i think that we're still going to see more more efficiencies more technology and more people trying to incorporate pickup and delivery and wash, dry, fold into their laundromat locations and exactly figuring out exactly how that's going to happen. A lot of people are talking about scalability and growth right now as well. A lot of bigger investors might be coming to the table and, you know, wanting to invest in the laundry industry and buying up, you know, multiple locations at a time versus one at a time growth. So, you know, it, it remains to be seen if that's an effective way to to get into the industry and and stay in the industry for a long term versus just getting in, buying and flipping and making your money and getting out. So I don't know. I I go back and forth with with that type of investor. But yeah, we're seeing we're seeing more more and more information about different different levels of investors coming into the industry right we're certainly seeing all kinds and it's it's evolving mm-hmm. as you said so uh i guess stay tuned right and uh, right. We'll, we'll see right. what exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a pleasure and i always learn something so thank you so much for your time today okay you're welcome you're welcome you have a great day and thanks again for for having me absolutely Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at planetlaundry.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube.